0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Whether you're here in the room with us or whether you're joining us online, we're glad that you're here today. And uh, let's let's start by bowing our heads and talking to the God who is meeting us here today. Thank you, God. Thank you for gathering us together into this space, for this time, for this hour, where we get to sing to you in worship, where we get to uh, cry out to you in prayer, uh, where we get to listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures and and get to gather around the table of our Lord Jesus. In, In all that we do in this hour, God, it's our prayer that we might connect with you, the God who made us, the God who loves us, the God who is here. Thank you, God, that we don't have to go searching for you. You meet us right where we are, right now. So would you help us to have hearts and minds open to you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you're you're able, if you're interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin today. Good
1: morning. morning. From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea Creations revealing your majesty From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring Every creature unique in the song that it sings all exclaiming Indescribable Uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name You are amazing God All powerful Untamable all struck we fall to our knees As we humbly proclaim you are amazing, God You are amazing, God Who has told every lightning bolt where it should go Or in heavenly storehouses laden so with so snow Who imagine the sun and give source to its life Yet conceals it to bring us the coolness of night None can fathom Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name You are a man Powerful, untamable, all struck, we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim, You are amazing, God. Indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars. You see the depths of my heart and you love me the same. things out yes i will lift you high in the lowest valley yes i will bless your name oh yes i will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days oh yes i will Your name Oh yes I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh yes I will for all my days Oh yes I will and that you pray. Super- I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names, that nothing can stand against. And I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names, that nothing can stand against. And I choose to praise. Can stand against. Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless Your name. Oh yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. Oh. Before the world began to breathe, you knew our names before we came to be. You saw the very day we fall away from you, and how desperately we need to be redeemed, Lord Jesus, come. We're We're lost lost unless you've got us with
2: Amen. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord and the thing I seek the most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come, and he will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on the high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. And and at his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the lord with music amen and amen pray with me would you father we thank you that you are a god who's with us in times of trouble lord that we don't have to be afraid of any enemy that may come against us we don't have to be afraid of anything that may surround us that lord even when it looks hopeless in our lives you are still there you are protecting us you are guiding us you are redeeming us we thank you father for this fact we don't have to doubt it we know we can trust it. You have promised it to us. Even if things don't work out the way we think they should, Lord, we know that you will never leave us, nor will you ever forsake us. We thank you, Father, for the blessings that you've given us this week. So many things, Lord, that we, if we really sat and we really thought, we'd be here all day just giving you thanks and glory for each and every blessing in our lives. We thank you, Father, for gathering each person here for inviting us into your presence this morning, for bringing us together so that we can not only be with each other, encouraging and uplifting each other, but so that we can be with you mostly. And we can learn from you and we can know you. We can better know your heart and better know your mind so that we in turn can go into the places that we're going to go this week being more like you, acting more like you, loving more like you, Lord. I pray that you'll be with the rest of this service, be with Pastor Rich as he brings us your word for us this morning. And in all these things, Father, we give you all the blessing, honor, glory, and praise for you alone are worthy, Father. We pray these things in your name. Amen and amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with with you. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves.
0: If you, uh, if you didn't get one of these yet, one of these little uh, bulletin-type things, I hope you did. If not, uh, there might be some more. Oh, I don't see any back there. There are more out in the lobby because uh, these will give you some notes for this morning's message as well as uh, some announcements and people to pray for on the back. Uh, so I hope you'll grab one of these things before you go. Uh, maybe grab one right now if you'd like to help you follow along with this morning's message. Uh, so each week uh, we invite you, if you'd like to, to, uh, to let us know you're with us. Uh, you can do that uh, online by going to livinghope.info slash connect and fill out a little digital connect card. Or for those of you in the room, uh, you can just grab a little green card off the little table back there by the door and jot your question or comment or prayer request or uh Whatever you're thanking God uh, about, and you want to share that with the others, uh, and then just drop that in the offering box back there, uh, so that we can pray for you or follow up with you this week. And uh, if you, uh, if you're giving today, you can drop that in the box as well. Thank you to all of you who have been giving so generously, uh, uh, day in, day out. To, uh, to well, to all the different stuff. Some of you gave very generously to Habitat uh, at the end of last year, or uh, some of you have been giving. Uh, some of you have been dropping things in and say, hey, use this for the overnight warming center uh, because you wanna make sure we got funds uh, for whatever we need with that. Uh, so thank you for all the different ways and just for giving generously to make sure we've got a place with the lights on and the heat running and all that so we can do things like this. Uh, <clears throat> not just Sunday mornings, but uh, most of you know, maybe you're watching today and you don't know, we're doing an overnight warming center right now that runs uh, every night from 8 p.m. to 7 a.m. through this winter. Uh, we realized there were people that, uh, yeah, we realized there were people that needed a place to stay and, uh, and didn't have, they were slipping through the cracks. And so you guys generously opened our building and, uh, and many of you are generously giving of your time to help staff that. So if you're able uh, to help overnight from like 8 to 7 is the, is the time, some of you are doing that. You're here once a week every every uh, Wednesday or every Thursday from 8 p.m. to 7 a.m. You just stay up all night. Uh, some of you are doing a half a shift, like from 8 to one thirty or from one thirty to 7 uh, some of you have brought some snacks or things like that, uh, thank you. Uh, we do still need volunteers, so if you are able to do one of those nights, I said one of you walk up to me earlier today, thanks Louis, saying like, hey, I can help with you know, part of one of this night. Uh, if it doesn't fit neatly into that schedule, that's okay. Let us know and uh, we'd be happy to, to have you participate. Um, and a big thanks to, to Scott over here. Say hi, Scott. Uh, Scott's uh, covering a whole lot of our, uh, of our shifts. He's been helping quite a bit. so. Uh, yeah, so that's going on. Uh, thank you again for helping us serve our neighbors uh, in this way. And uh, this month, we're, uh, we're making our way through the book of Genesis. Uh, so that's where we're going to go right now. Uh, we're going we're to look to Genesis. And uh, some of the things uh, uh, that, well, we've been looking at the beginning part of Genesis, where it, uh, it deals with, you know, God creating the entire world, right? And uh, the whole thing is kind of this big picture, like you're zoomed way out, and you can see everything. You know, God creates... Everything that is. And, uh, and then you start looking at the human story and there are massive problems. We looked at that last week, how uh, we keep creating problems. We keep trying to do things our own way or rushing ahead of God or letting our anger get the best of us or whatever it might be until we finally got to the story of the flood this last week uh, where God looks and sees that every inclination of the human heart is always evil all the time. And the world is full of violence, it says. And so God wipes the slate clean with a flood, saving only Noah and his family and this ark filled with animals so that he can kind of start over with them. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't just like, hey, and everything was better after that, right? It'd be nice if that's how the story went. Like, and after that, Noah and his kids, they were perfect, and they all just did what God wanted them to do. But no, as soon as they are off the boat, pretty much, Noah plants a vineyard, grows some vines, gets drunk on the fruit of the vine. Has there some kind of indecent exposure thing that happens in a tent? I'm not sure. We're not sure. But things just keep going downhill. Uh, you get all the way to chapter 11 of Genesis, and there's this moment where uh, instead of doing what God said to, to like fill the earth, the human beings that are present say, you know what, let's just stay right here and build this tower to the heavens and make a great name for ourselves. And it's the founding of the, of the city of Babylon. It's called Babel at this point in the story. And God says, uh, no thanks, that's not how things are going to go, and he scatters them and changes their languages so they can't understand each other and they can't cooperate, and, uh, and they begin to scatter over all the earth. At this point in chapter 12 of Genesis is where it's like the, the camera zooms in suddenly. Instead of talking about all of humans or all the earth, it zooms into one particular family. And it does this going through all these family trees, you know, they, the, just like we've already read earlier in the book, you know, so-and-so had these kids and then died, and so-and-so, and then, you know, his kid had these kids, and then they died, and, and you read through this stuff, and if you're reading through Genesis, you've already encountered that, and that's something I'm encouraging you to do, is to read through Genesis right now with us. Uh, <clears throat> there are some great stories, and we're only going to touch on like a handful of them on Sunday morning, uh, but they begin to zoom in and look at one man who uh, named Abraham, uh, not Abraham Lincoln, but the guy he was named after, Abraham in the Bible, uh, Abraham who becomes the father to Isaac and father to Jacob. Throughout the Scriptures, uh, God is referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in fact, Abraham, I think, is second only to Moses in terms of the Old Testament figures who get quoted, or, or refer, not quoted, referred to in the New Testament. So in the stories of Jesus and his early followers that we have in our New Testament, you know, they're constantly referring back to the stories of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, what came before. And Abraham, Uh, Gets mentioned over and over and over and over again. He is the the model of what it looks like to trust God. He is the the father of this great nation that becomes a nation of Israel. But just like all the other characters in the story, he is not perfect. And we're going to see a little of that today. Um, Have you ever found yourself asking questions like these that I put there at the top of your notes? I don't have these on the screen, unfortunately. But does God have a plan for me? You ever wondered that? Can God be trusted? You know, we have this God that supposedly made us and loves us, but can can I really trust him with my life, with my future? Is God unfair? Is God unjust? Uh, Does God ask too much of us? Does he expect more than we can actually pull off? Does God see what I'm going through? Does God hear my cries for help? These are all questions that get addressed in the life of Abraham. So if these are questions you have asked, I encourage you to read, starting with Genesis 12 and going through Genesis about 20 or so, uh, we get the story of Abraham's life. And we're going to look at some of it today. The first time he shows up, his name isn't Abraham yet. His name is Abram. Um, It's just a little short version, just like many of you call me Rich instead of Richard, I suppose. Uh, And the first time he shows up is in one of these little family trees, Genesis chapter 11. There's a guy named Terah, and after Terah was 70 years old, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And then a couple verses later, one day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, his grandson Lot, Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. So I don't have a map to show you, but it'd be kind of like if you said, hey, I was, they were moving from Valparaiso to San Francisco, and they made it as far as Des Moines, and they just stopped there. You know, all right, so they, they got a little ways gone, but not real far. Okay? They still are a long ways from, uh, from where he was aiming at. Okay? So this is the first time Abram shows up. And then it just says yeah, and Terah lived to be this old and that he died. And then Genesis chapter 12 begins the story of Abram, who later will be named, uh, renamed Abraham. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you And make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. We're gonna pause right there for just a second, because here is God, He hasn't given up on the whole human project, right? We saw that last week, that in spite of our sin and the consequences that follow on our sin, God continues to care for us. He's the God who never gives up, He's the God who is always with us, no matter what our failings, right? Now, God continues to be at work. He has not given up on the human project. He still wants to bless all the world. But God has decided, you know what, the way to do that, I'm going to have to narrow my focus. I'm going to focus on Abraham, and I'm going to focus on his family, and through them, all the world will be blessed. His goal still is to bless everyone. He's going to do that by starting with these, starting with this one, this one man who is trusting God. God is always looking for people who will trust him. All right? Still today, right now, in this room, God is looking for people who will trust him. And it might be that you have heard God say, you know what? Uh, I want you to try this. I want you to do this. Will you trust me? And he's looking for people who say, okay, I'll trust you. And those are the folks that God ends up blessing. Those are the folks that God ends up using to be a blessing to others, are the people that say, okay, God, I'll trust you. It might be a huge ask you know, you're asking me to leave my country, my relatives, my family, all the, every place I've known, but okay. Now, in spite of the limited space, one reason that I mentioned his dad, Terah, in there is because I kind of wonder if God had said something similar to Terah. Because Terah gets up and moves. He's headed to Canaan, which is where Abram ends up, but he stops partway and dies there. And I kind of wonder, you know, could this have been the story of Terah? Could he be the one that we would have been reading about, you know, and singing songs about, you know, instead of Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father, it could have been Father Terah had many sons, you know, I don't know, we could have been singing songs about Terah, could have been, you know, Terah could have be the one that gets mentioned over and over, but Terah didn't keep going, he stopped. Now, I don't know this, the Bible doesn't say that, but it's just got that little hint, you know, that they set out for Canaan, but they stopped here. And man, I don't want to be the kind of person that my story is, well, he, he started to do okay, uh, but then he kind of gave up. He was trusting God for a while, but then eh, things got tough, and he just decided to settle. You know, I, I don't want that to be my story. I don't want it to be your story. I, I want us to go all out trusting God, going wherever he calls us, doing whatever he calls us to do, and that's what Abram is willing to do. For all I know, God was saying this to all kinds of people, saying, hey, follow me, trust me, and there there are hints in other parts of Scripture that God has done that. That God is at work in other, in other nations. It's not like God only works with the nation of Israel that the Old Testament is written about. But here we have one who has said yes. And that's, and that's what we see next. Uh, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Man, 75 years old. Uh, uh, anybody in the room 75 this morning? I know we've got some folks. Yeah, I know we've got some folks that are 75 or older. Um, my, my, both of my parents are turning 75 this, this year. And, uh, and, you know, they're retired. My dad's been retired for, you know, a little while now. Um, I can't imagine them saying, well, Rich, Stacy, we've really enjoyed living right near you and we've loved, you know, being a part of our grandkids' lives and everything. But, <clears throat> you know what? God's calling us to move to, I don't know, wherever you know, rural Alaska or something. I'm trying, trying to think of some place that, like, you know, if, if God were calling him to move to California, I'd think, yeah, sure, God's calling you to move to California. You know, you just want to live in California. Uh, but, you know, to just pick up and move at 75 it's like, wow, okay. But that's what Abram does. 75 years old. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all his wealth, his livestock, all the people he had taken into his household uh, at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. So he's not just, like, it's not just like they loaded up the truck and moved to Beverly, all right? This isn't just like the, the stuff they could pile. This is, he's got stuff, all right? They had to, they had to get a couple of U-Hauls and really load them up full. Um, he's got servants. He's got people that work for him. And they're all moving, headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. So we know the story is written later. Because they're looking back and saying, at that time, the land was inhabited by Canaanites. Today, not so much. But back then, the Canaanites lived here. So this is written from a later perspective, right? When the people of Israel have already moved into the land, and the Canaanites have already been pushed out. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. So Abram trusts God. Okay, God, I'm going to trust you you're going to bless me and I'm going to be a blessing to others. Okay, let's do this. Uh, That was one of the themes that we had in 2022 here as a church. We started the year talking about how to bless our neighbors. And we came back to it, I think in August and again in November, this idea of being a blessing and making sure that we're blessing others. If God has blessed you, it's not so that you can just be like, whew, nice. Thanks God. Thanks for blessing me. If God has blessed you, it's so you can be a blessing to others. That's how God works. When God wants to bless someone, he usually does it through someone else, right? When God wants to be good and gracious and compassionate to someone, when God wants to hear and answer a prayer, he usually does it through someone else. I mean, if you've ever been hungry and God has provided food, it probably didn't happen just like the miracle that happens later in Exodus that we'll get to next month, you know, where all of a sudden just food like appears on the ground in the morning. Uh, He probably did it through a person who showed up, who helped you. Um, He might have done it through... uh, Letting you live in a country that put together a government program to make sure that you got some you know food assistance or something, or some just compassionate people who donated to a food pantry and you were able to get some help, or a neighbor who just knew that you were in need and came alongside you. If you ever needed shelter and and you got shelter, probably happened through people. Probably wasn't this that God just provided some miraculously. He he moved through one of his kids. Uh, if you've ever been sick and needed care, if you've ever been uh, in prison and needed someone to to visit you, if you've ever, all those things that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 25, where at the day of judgment, it says he separates everyone, sheep and goats, and says to those on the one side, hey, when, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was sick in prison, you visited me. You cared for me when I was in need. And to the people on the other side, he said, when I was in need, you didn't care for me. And both sides are like, whoa, when did we ever see you in need? When did we ever do this or not do this for you? And Jesus says, when you did this or didn't do this for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it or didn't do it for me. Whenever this happens, whenever we find ourselves, whenever we find God answering our prayers, he does it through people. People who have been blessed by God who then are being a blessing to us. And he invites us to be a part of that same thing. Just like Abram said yes to God. Okay, you're going to bless me so I can bless others? Great, let's do it. And he trusted God and he moved his family Sometime later, this is a couple chapters later in Genesis 15, Sometime later the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no. Your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. That, that, that verse there, Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith, is one that gets picked up by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, talking about how we relate to God today. That we, we trust God and God considers us righteous by just by trusting in Him. That we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to get our all of our ducks in a row, all our act together, before God looks at us and says, "Okay," you know, when we trust Him, when we do like Abram did. And a- Abram did not get everything right. If you if you read the chapters I skipped in chapters 13 and 14, you'll see some of the ways Abram got some things wrong. Um, that's why God is saying, "Don't be afraid." You know, uh, but when we trust God. God says, okay, I can work with that. I'll consider you righteous because you've trusted in me. That's how this relationship with God begins, just by trusting him. When God makes a promise, when God calls to us, we say yes, and that works for God. Now, the rest of chapter 15, God makes clear this isn't going to happen right away. You know, this, these promises that I'm making, that you're going to have these descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and that they're going to inherit this land where you're, where you're living, uh, that's not going to happen right away. During Abram's life, guess how much property he amassed uh, there? How much square footage of land he owned? Uh, not, not very much. In fact, when his wife died, he didn't own a piece of property there in the land. He was a uh, herdsman. They, they used the land, but they didn't own any land until his wife dies, and he has to buy a, a burial plot from some of the people who live there so he can bury his wife. And then he gets buried in that, in that plot as well. So this whole promise that you will own all this land, your descendants will own all this land, and you'll have all these numerous descendants, it doesn't happen for a long time. Later in this chapter, God tells them. He even lets, gives them a glimpse. He says, look, your descendants, they're going to they're be slaves in a foreign land for 400 years before then they come back to this place to inherit this land. And God explains that by saying, for the, the sins of the Amorites, some of the people who live here, He says the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. He says, there are people that live here now. And this is, again, where God is not just working through this people. He's working with all people. He's got his eye on them. He he's, sees these Amorites and how <clears throat> they're, they're going off track. He says, but it's not gotten so bad yet that I've got to, like, wipe them out or anything. And Maybe God's kind of holding out hope that maybe they'll get their act together. I'll, I'll give them about 400 years <laughs> to figure this out. And if they don't, then that's I'll move your, your kids in and push them out of the land, and your kids will get to live here. He gives him 400 years of, of patience before he, before he brings his, his judgment on them. So Abram knows this is a long-term project that we're embarking on here. Okay, God, long-term, and uh, <clears throat> so I might not see this in my life, I guess. You know, he was 75 when he started this story. He's, he's a little bit older at this point, uh, maybe about 10 years older at this point, so he's getting, getting around 85 now. And at some point, Abram starts to think, maybe this isn't going to happen at all. This whole having a kid thing. But, just to skip ahead a little bit, in Genesis 21, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac, which means laughter. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And, uh, and if you're curious, Sarah was no spring chicken. She was 90 All right? We just skip over that part. So she was 90 years old. Abraham was 100 when their son was born. So God kept his promise, even though it took a long, long, long time. If you've ever wondered, God, are you going to... I had this feeling like you called me to do something, and you made a promise to me, but you feel like God hasn't kept his promise. uh, I guess I just want to say, don't give up. All right? Don't give up. It might be taking longer than you thought it would. And and I got to say, I... As, as your pastor, I, I get the chance to interact with you. you. You reach out to me when you're struggling, when you're when you're wondering, you know, is this? A, can I keep going? I don't know if I can keep putting one foot in front of the other. I don't know if I can keep resisting this temptation. I don't know if I can keep enduring this difficulty, this illness, this whatever it might be. And I know it's not easy. All right, I'm not. I'm not standing here saying, hey, "Just wait. God will come through eventually." You know, 25 years later for Abraham, from 75 to 100. Right. I'm... I know it's difficult. Uh, I know it's not easy. I guess I just want to say it, it's, it's worth the wait. And it's, it's worth trusting God in the meantime. That, that God is with you in the meantime. That God's not absent from your story. You know, it's not like God shows up, makes a promise, calls you to try something, and then just leaves. And just comes back sometime later saying, okay, here you go you know, like, I was doing other things, I kind of forgot, but, you know, oh, it's been how long, 25 years, good grief, I'm so sorry, I'm late with this, here, here, you know, no, God is with Abraham every step of the way, just like God is with you every step of the way, all right, and sometimes we do well, sometimes we do poorly, but God is with us every step, he's never giving up on us, all right, so if God has called you to do something, if if you feel like God has asked you to take some risk, uh, to to give something a shot. If you feel like God has spoken to you in some way, and and said you know, you know, get involved with this or or take this job or or you know, leave this comfortable place this place of comfort and do this uncomfortable thing this risky thing. Uh, for one thing I'd say like, talk to somebody about it. You no, know, don't be afraid to like, bounce that off somebody. I did that for sure back. Way back in the day now, uh, when I was in college and felt like God was tapping me on the shoulder saying, hey, I, I want you to quit doing your computer science thing that you're you know, studying for right now, and I want you to be a pastor. Um, you better believe I talked to a few people about that before I just jumped in and changed my major and you know changed the trajectory of my life. Um, I talked to my friends, talked to my parents, talked to people like people who knew me, people who I knew were Christians, who were trusting God, who, who kind of were a little further along. Some who were a little further along the journey, like my parents. Others who were right along with me, peers. And uh, and to try to see what they had to say, right? And, uh, and I, th- I don't think I had anybody that said to me, like, really? Are you sure? That doesn't seem right. right. If they had, I might have listened to them, right? Uh, instead, I had consistently people who said, oh, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that fits. And, uh, and I had parents who said, you know, we kind of thought that that might be what God was going to do in your life, and we just didn't want to say anything. We wanted to let God be the one that, you know, directed you. We didn't want it to be us making that decision for you, pushing you in a direction. So if you feel like God's asking, especially if God's asking you to do something big, it's not a sign of, like, a lack of faith to say, like, let me talk to some friends about this, you know. You you say to God, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing, and then you talk to people and say, Hey, I think God wants me to do this thing. I think God wants me to start this nonprofit. I think God wants me to, to reach out to my neighbors in this way. I think God wants me to, you know, open our home in this way. What, whatever it might be that God's calling you to do, and we've all got different situations. We've all got different ways that God has blessed us and wants us to be a blessing to others. Bounce it off some people. Get some confirmation. Uh, get some people who can encourage you and come alongside you. And who knows, it might be in those conversations you, you find that you don't have to do this alone. Just like Abraham didn't go alone. He his wife he had his nephew he had you know other people with him it might be that God doesn't intend for you to do this alone it might be he intends for you to gather some people together who will help you to do this thing but it's worth trusting God even if it takes some time even if the road is not if it's not a straight line even if it has some detours in it don't don't give up God, is, God can in fact be trusted and that's what Abraham discovers but he does not do everything perfectly. And and <clears throat> when we did this, uh, it was eight years ago. So having, having been the pastor of this church now for, uh, for you know, going on 23 years, we're in our 23rd year now, uh, I've preached on most of the Bible at some point, right? It's been, we've had time to, to touch on things. And, and we touched on the story of Abraham's life, uh, it was eight years ago, we were doing a similar thing, going through the Bible, one book each month. And we were going through Genesis, and I had a Sunday, and, and we looked at a, a whole lot of his story, uh, probably too much uh, for one Sunday, um, and I realized later. Like I was looking back, I was like, can I just preach that same message again? That'd be a lot easier if I can just preach that same message. Uh, don't, have, don't have to prepare a new message. Um, and I realized that it kind of made Abraham look like, oh yeah, he's just a hero. He trusted God here, and he and he succeeded there, and he did that right, and and God came through. And man, if you read Abraham's story, that's not how he comes across. God works every every person that God works with and that God works through in our Bibles, is a a flawed person. Only only one exception, Jesus, all right? Every other person in our Bible is a a human being as flawed as you and as me, who sometimes does well and sometimes does poorly at this whole trusting God and obeying God thing. And in between God's promise to provide Abram with descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and God actually providing his son Isaac, Abram and Sarah think, Oh, we got this thing figured out. You know, God's God's taken a long time, but you know what? I think we've got a solution. And in Genesis 16, we read, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. It was was kind of a handmaid's tale scenario, if any of you have seen that series or read that book. Uh, where this was something that they did in those days. Uh, people were often treated like property, especially servants, especially women. And Sarah has this servant who she just gives to Abraham. It's like, let's have kids through her. And so it says Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham or Abram as a wife. Uh, but when Hagar knew she was pregnant, and so they continue, she becomes pregnant, when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarah with contempt. And then Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. And Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. So this is, a, everything about this situation is abusive, Right? I mean, the whole handing someone over to your husband to have kids through her and all of that, that's, it's, it's exploitation, you know. Human beings should not treat other human beings this way. You know, we look back at this and we think, oh my goodness. And, uh, and that book and TV series I mentioned a moment ago do a really good job of illustrating how abusive that kind of a, an exploitative, that kind of a system could be. But that's what they do. Thinking, okay God, you want me to have child, and you're going to give me descendants. Well, I guess it's not going to be with Sarah. Okay, well, it's going to be with their servant. They think they're kind of helping God out here. Maybe like Adam and Eve thought they were kind of helping God out by eating the fruit of that other tree. I don't know. And to the point then they are treating her so harshly, Sarah, Abram just abdicates any responsibility. At this point, Abram could have stepped in and said, okay, let's figure this out, ladies. Let's talk. Let's, you know, Say what you need to say, say what you need to say, let's figure something out. Instead, Abram just kind of says, hey, you're a servant, you know, do, do what you see fit. And watches as his wife abuses her servant who's pregnant with his child until finally she runs away. But then the very next verse, The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness on the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress, submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You're to name him Ishmael, which means God hears, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. Here and later in Genesis 21, when uh, this, this situation does not go well for Hagar and, and for her son Ishmael. Later, once Isaac is born, there's tension between them once again, between Sarah and, and, uh, and Hagar, between Ishmael and, and baby Isaac. And Abraham and Sarah end up sending Hagar away. And once again, God meets her in the wilderness and provides for her. Um, and hears her cry and her child's cry. <clears throat> So this is a this is a God who if you've ever wondered, hey, does God know what I'm going through? You know, I there's no there's no story of God saying to to Hagar, you know, hey, go sign up with this family to go make this you know journey across, you know, wherever. She may have been just pulled across the country by her masters, her mistress. She may have just been forced to move against her will, away from people that she knew and things she was comfortable with. Now she's been given to him to have a child with him, someone who's not her husband, and she has limited control over her body, over her child, over her life. If you've ever felt like you were a pawn in someone else's game, and you've wondered, God, do you see what I'm going through? If other people have treated you harshly to the point that you find yourself just running to the wilderness, wondering if you can live, wondering, does God even hear my cries for help? We've got a story here as a part of Abraham's bigger story the story of Hagar, story of Ishmael, that reminds us that, yes, God does hear. God does see. Just because it seems like maybe God's blessing someone else more than he's blessing you does not mean that God's forgotten you. It doesn't mean that you are not an important part of his story. It doesn't mean that God doesn't have plans for you as well. Because God certainly does have plans for Hagar and for her son. Promises to give them numerous descendants as well. The Lord has heard your cry of distress. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named something I can't pronounce, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Barat. So there's a, there's a place that generations later, the people who are reading and writing and putting this history together can look back and say, oh, you know that place over there? The, uh, the place that means well of the living one who sees me? That's how that place got its name. Back when Father Abraham made some really bad choices and when God looked out for Hagar and for Ishmael, God sees those who are abused. God, God hears their cries for help. And they still have a reminder of that right there in their country to this day. It says, so Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. So that's like the halfway mark, right? Between his 75 years when he's called and, and his hundred years when Isaac's born. He's like right about the halfway mark, is where he thinks he's got it figured out. And it leads to them exploiting a woman and, and abusing her and her and her child. But God. God continues to love. God continues to care. God continues to work, and God hears and sees. And uh, some of you might know already uh, that this uh, this had lasting implications. <laughs> this this incident in Abraham's life. Um, Ishmael is the like the parent of basically all the, the Arab nations, um, and Isaac becoming the, the father of all the of the Hebrew people. Um, and there's been a little tension, right, between Israel and Arab nations uh, right up to this day. Uh, if you read the Quran, the, the Muslim scriptures, uh, they look back and they have a similar story about God blessing Abraham. But, but in their book, the blessing of God flows through his son Ishmael, not through his son Isaac. And the story of the people of Israel is that God's blessing flows, flows through the son son Isaac. So they both look back to this point and say, nope, God has blessed us and and we are the chosen people that God is working through. And still to this day tensions, violence and enmity that goes on. Our, Our decisions have repercussions. We talked about that last week. Our decisions have consequences. For us and for the people around us and for the people who come after us But God is the God who hears our cries for help. God is the one who sees us in our time of need. God is the God who is able to forgive, able to come alongside and say, I will be with you and I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. That is God's goal. And that's what God does here. This is kind of the hinge point of the book of Genesis. All right, we've got the the big global work that's going on and sin seeing us spiral down and down and down. And now here is God beginning this redemptive work that he's going to do through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob and his, his kids that's going to carry us through the rest of the book and on into the book of Exodus next month. Um, <clears throat> one story that we didn't have a chance to share um, from Abraham's life. Well, you know what? No, there's not time to share it now. <laughs> Never mind. You'll just have to read them, all right? There are numerous stories about Abraham in Genesis that you'll get to read. So I think today we should just, we should just stop with this reality that God sees us and hears us, that God is faithful, that God, that God can be trusted, and that, that God is the one who blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. This has been true ever since the time of Abraham right down to today. And so today, if you are saying yes to God, if today you are willing to trust him, he is, he is happy to welcome you and to include you as part of his grand plan for blessing uh, the, the whole world, blessing your neighbors, Um, you can be a recipient of God's blessings, his grace, his goodness, and you can extend that to others. It's what we get to experience each and every Sunday as we celebrate communion together. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and we're going to celebrate communion where where we remember that God gave us his son, Jesus, to live, to die, to rise again, to set us free from our slavery to sin. Jesus comes as the one person who finally trusts God and and gets it right. (laughs) He is the perfect human being, To the point that his earliest followers said, he's human, yes, but he is, wow, way more than human. And they recognized that he was actually God in the flesh. That when we look at Jesus, we see the glory of God. That we see the image of the invisible God. Picking up language from Genesis about all humanity being created in the image of God. But how we reflect his image pretty poorly. Jesus comes and perfectly perfectly relays the image of God to all of us. <clears throat> and, uh, and he does that by receiving God's blessings and completely pouring those blessings out to the, those around him. By being gracious even to his enemies, even to those who put him on a cross. And so today, we put our trust in Jesus as the one who perfectly reveals to us this loving God that, who called Abraham, <laughs> this loving God who saw Hagar, this loving God who sees us in our need. And when we cry out to God saying, God, I need your help. I, I can't get free of this sin on my own. I can't get free of this temptation, this addiction. I can't get free of this selfishness, this greed. I feel like my life should mean more than this. And I find myself always just kind of making myself and you know my own God and being in charge of my own life. When we find ourselves saying, God, I, I need your help, God is quick to answer. He's quick to forgive. He's quick to bless us with his grace with his spirit. And he calls us to a life of, of generous love, he calls us to a life of blessing others um, that is beautiful. We, we won't do it perfectly. It's true. But when we stumble, God invites us to come back to him again and, and receive his grace and get a fresh start so we can continue to trust and follow him. Let's bow our heads and let's pray to him before we celebrate communion together. God, thank you. Thank you for this love that you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your faithfulness down through the ages. I mean, we're reaching way back to the very first book and seeing how from from the very beginning you were looking for people who would say yes to you, who would trust you. And God, there may be some of us today who are just wondering, can I really trust this God with my life? Can I say yes to this God? Does this God even know what I'm going through? Does he hear my cries for help? Thank you, God, for stories like these that remind us that, yes, indeed, you do. You see us. You know us. You are with us. And you invite us to trust you. You invite us to say yes to you. You invite us to admit our need for your help, for your grace, for your mercy. And so, God, today we confess to you that we have not always loved you with our heart, soul, mind, strength. We've not always loved our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus, you said those are the two most important commandments, and, and every single one of us here have broken them. Thank you, God, that your word also tells us that when we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and just. You forgive us our sins. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, God. Thank you for being a God who hears our cries for help. Who heals us when we are broken. Who strengthens us when we are weak. God, help us not to see ourselves as defined by our past failures or our circumstances or what others may have done to us. God, help us to see ourselves as men and women who are loved by you men and women whom you value, whom you have big dreams and plans for. Help us, God, to see the future that you have for us and to be willing to trust you that you can, in fact, lead us there and get us there if we would lean on you and trust and follow you. God, in this sacrament of communion, we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. And we remember the great love you've shown us in your son Jesus Christ. His body broken for us. His blood spilled for us. Jesus, you gave your life. You took our sin. You took our death so that by your death and resurrection you could defeat the powers of sin, death, and the devil and set us free. Help us to live in this freedom. Help us not to be slaves to sin, slaves to fear, but help us to live free, trusting and following you. You are so good to us, God. We are so grateful for the love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Do we have? Oh, there we go. (laughs) Our Father who is in heaven Uh, the musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. As we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. It doesn't matter if you've been walking with him for, for decades or if today is your first time of saying yes to him. If today you're hungry for his grace and grateful for his love, then you're invited to come and to celebrate. We've got some little pieces of pita bread uh, that you can grab and, and dip in the juice or some little round uh, gluten-free wafers. Or we've got some of these little individual cups that you can take back to your seat. Uh, and if you really don't want to get close to folks, uh, we've got those, I think, on most of the tables. And, uh, and as we sing, you can, you can celebrate that way as well. Just peel it back and get to the bread and get to the juice. It's, it's, this is for all of us. So let's, let's give him thanks and let's celebrate his love.
1: The of Jesus Christ combined. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes Come today, there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open.
0: Thank you, God. You know us. You know what we need, and in your grace you reach out to us to provide. Thank you for seeing us, hearing us, knowing us. Thank you for calling us to this life that looks so much better than the lives that we had devised for ourselves. You call us to this life that that looks like Jesus, a a life of love, a life where we take the blessings that you give us and and share them freely with the people around us. You have been so gracious, God. Fill us with the spirit of Christ, we pray, so that we might live in this world as, as your body, the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you.